Welcome to Farcast. Now here's your host, Michael Farr. And welcome to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr on a nice spring day in Washington, D.C. It's uh, We're seeing flowers on the trees and, and it's not, you know, freezing and we don't have snow on the ground, which is the first time I can say that this April. April! Come on, this is awful. But... It's uh, springtime for the markets today. We saw the Dow Industrial Average up over 425 points. Uh, You know, the uh, Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Uh, We sort of saw things tank yesterday. But on uh, China, uh, President Xi uh, came out and said that, you know, they would uh, have an open China. He really didn't say anything new. Uh, He did talk about lowering tariffs on imported autos, things that China has been saying for quite a while. Uh, But they just haven't done any of it. They sort of said, we're going to do it, but they haven't actually done it. So stocks went up and stocks rallied. We have the great Teddy Weisberg coming on today. So hang on. Uh, Paul Carey once again is traveling and making the world a smarter place, or at least teaching them how to talk with their hands and cook Italian. And then, of course, the great Matt Leffingwell coming up, Congressman Glenn Nye in this show. Before we get to my great friend Teddy Weisberg, remember that on the far cast, we believe that money is hard to make. We believe that old-fashioned research, hard work, discipline, and patience are the keys to successful investing. And we believe that emotion is the foe of the long-term investor. So if you're feeling ebullient or if you're feeling scared, don't start making investment decisions to get yourself feeling better. You'll be closer to making a mistake. Uh, Teddy Weisberg is the head of Seaport Securities uh, in New York. He's been on the floor of the stock exchange since God was little and uh, is one of the experts' experts. He's a very very dear friend of mine. And if you listen to his earlier appearance on the Farcast, Teddy nailed it. So welcome back, Teddy Weisberg, to the Farcast. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. Uh, this Listen, we had a good day in the markets today. What happened? Uh, well, exactly, we had a good day. Well, I think it was that we got... You know, some uh, some would say uh, positive, maybe glass half full, but uh, uh, you know, some reasonably uh, uh, decent news out of out of China vis-a-vis the tariffs. Uh, as I said to uh, a bunch of uh, our, our fe- friends and the fellow traders, you know, it looked uh, for at least for the moment maybe that China blinked, and uh, and I think that's how the market interpreted it vis-a-vis these, these tariff scares. Uh, and clearly, it's what the market wanted to see. Uh, and yes, we and not only did we have a good day, Michael, but unlike some of the other days, we closed uh, oh, not quite at the top of the trading range for the day, but pretty close to the top. Which is really cool. So, do you think the market is beginning to think that this is the way the president negotiates, and he's kind of looking successful about it? I mean, if you uh, think about what he's done and where he started the conversation with North Korea, uh, and 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 calling uh, Kim Jong Un overweight and 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 rocket man and all of this uh, bombast and, and yeah. now it looks like i mean there's a real conversation that that we're now no longer going to talk about you know nuclear arms on the north korean in the north in north korea anywhere right well uh you know yeah it, this is a tough discussion to have michael without getting political but i would i'd be inclined to agree with you uh though his 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 personality and his methodology uh, is somewhat unsettling, to say the least. Uh, you cannot argue with, uh, with at least uh, at, for the moment, the results. And I mean, he's 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 getting things done. He's bringing people to the table. Uh, th- things are uh, things are changing and moderating. Uh, 
it's a tortured process. I, I must admit it's not what any of us are used to, whether we're Democrats or Republicans. But you, you cannot deny the, uh, at least what appears to be, the positive results. And clearly he is getting positive results. So that's good. And I think clearly that's what the market wants to see. And I actually think the market wants to trade higher. Uh, but it's all the, uh, all the unsettling statements and the, and the crazy remarks and the tweets and, uh, uh, that get people really nervous. And, and I think, quite frankly, we're, we're allowed to be nervous uh, and the market reflects that when we get those dramatic downdrafts. Well, it creates a lot of uncertainty, uh, certainly, out of out of Washington. Even the staff turnover in the White House, and we're going to talk with Matt Leffingwell uh, about that coming up, who's our great political analyst uh, on the forecast. Uh, you know, uh, we get a lot of uncertainty. When does the market begin to, you think, just price in and say, oh, you know, like— uh, Reagan talking to uh, Jimmy Carter saying, there he goes again, you know, oh, there he goes again. I mean, we, and just not care. You know what I mean? When are we going to just say, uh, wait a minute, don't don't overreact here. That's just the president being the president. Let's wait and see what happens. You mean, are we going to return to the days of the Greek financial crisis? Yes. You know, it seemed like every week Greece was going to go down the drain. Yes. And and eventually uh, that uh, uh, they didn't. And uh, it, 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 it sort of became a non-event as far as the market's concerned. I, I guess that's possible. Or Michael, they went down know. the drain so many times people stopped caring. I mean, you know, well, yeah, it, it did get kind of ugly over there. It, it, it certainly did. I don't know psychologically and from a market viewpoint uh, if, we're, if we're at that point yet, because I think, you know, the backdrop, unfortunately, for the president is not only uh, his successes, uh, and clearly he's had some, but it's this continued toxic uh, political uh, uh, circus that he has to deal with at home. This relentless, uh, you know, this relentless pressure coming from all quarters, uh, if not directed directly at him, directed at the people around him. And I think well, and the that FBI that... raided his lawyer's office right uh, this week. Michael Cohen's office was raided by the FBI. I mean, that that. A lawyer's office being raided is really unheard of, right? Well, I, you know, I would think so. And I think, uh, quite frankly, this is very disturbing. You know, uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't really know. You know, how much of it is political posturing uh, on a grand scale and how much is really necessary. But I think bottom line is this just creates a nervousness and unknowns. And you and I both know, and hopefully many of your listeners realize that, that this this uh, uh, this is not good for the markets, and and uh, I think. But the positive news, Michael, is we are about to start to see first quarter earnings. Yes. Uh, yes. In the next couple of days, and the fin- we're going to get some big financial stocks on Friday, uh, and by all measure, they should be pretty good. And in past quarters, when we get into earnings reporting. Uh, companies have a tendency to deal pretty good with investor expectations. So you end up with 60 or 70 percent of the companies uh, beating. And that has always been uh, uh, put the wind at the back of the market, if you will. So with it's these, been a good environment for the market. Yeah. And with these tax cuts, I mean, we're going to see some pretty big earnings numbers here. I think I think once we actually see them, they're going to be I think they're still going to be shockingly good. So uh, I think more positive surprises. That's just far as view. 
Farr's view is we're going to see more surprised investors out there uh, of this earnings season that may distract from some of the negative. So what are, you, what are you thinking, Teddy? You were pretty positive last time on. Have you changed your, changed your tune? Should we be buying the dips or should we be selling the tops? I, I think uh, investors don't really, I mean, uh, they swing from one side of the boat to the other. And, and that, by the way, as do I, you know, it's very unnerving and, and uh, you're, you're not as quite as, as old as I am, but I've been doing this for way too long, going, going on north of 50 years. I'd like and, to remind everybody in the audience that I have not been doing this as long as Teddy. <laughs> and that includes breathing in and out. Uh, uh, yes. As much as I love you, Teddy, uh, he does yeah. have a couple of years on me. I, I understand. And I, t- I, I, turn, I will turn 57 in two weeks, Teddy. Do you feel sorry oh, for poor well, old yeah. me? I know. I'm I, wet. And I'm, I'm well. I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to turn in a couple of weeks, but it's it's well north of where you are. I can I can assure you. You know, but I want to be Teddy when I grow up. Everybody wants to be Teddy. I mean, we, you spend more time, ladies and gentlemen, with my friend Teddy Weisberg. You'll have a new hero. I promise. Okay, Teddy. So are we buying or selling? I mean, you said you are on both sides of the boat at times. Tell us what we should be thinking about. I, if, I, if, if, I am basically a buyer on balance, uh, uh, and we we've been uh, we we have been nibbling. Uh, I, I would say that we're more defensive in our nibbling, uh, but we have been nibbling. I, I'm reluctant to talk about names, but you know, one for example is uh, is Kraft Foods. Uh, you know, we just think some stocks, for whatever reasons, have gotten too cheap, and they're and uh, they're at levels where the dividends uh, support owning them. Uh, they are uh, historically defensive in nature. Uh, we're not we're not sticking our necks out, but we're not being totally passive. Uh, and, in, and in terms of selling, uh, we have really not done any selling. I mean, we have clients that are nervous and unhappy. Uh, and so in that case, you know, we've taken some money off the table. Uh, but Kraft Foods, but, that's not like Tesla. I mean, that's not one of the high flyer, go crazy, you know, leading tech stocks. That's a stock with real fundamentals. Now, you're not recommending a purchase or a sale here on the air, are you? Uh well, well, of, of Kraft Foods or Tesla, which one? Uh, well, let's go with either one. Pick one. Give us, tell well, us your opinion on you, both. I'll tell you about Tesla. I thought Tesla was a good short at two hundred, so it shows you what I know. So, well, you weren't talking. wrong. I mean, uh, yet, yet, you weren't yeah. wrong yet. Yeah. Well, uh, but on the other hand, uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not recommending. Uh, craft, but I'm just saying in, in response to your question, what are we doing? Yeah, uh, that's an example of the type of stock that we are buying. What do you uh, think about the face- noise about Facebook, Teddy? I mean, uh, you know, it really got clobbered. I mean, uh, w- tell what what are your thoughts? What are you hearing on the floor? What are you hearing in New York about it? Well, we're long Facebook, and we've been long Facebook. Uh, uh, not we didn't buy it on the IPO, but we bought it after the IPO when it tended to sell off. And we continue to be long. We've only had one or two clients that have actually uh, been nervous about the, you know, what's going on now. I actually think Facebook is a uh, uh, still a very interesting company. Still has great growth potential. So we're we we have not even entertained selling it. And in fact, it's down to levels. And I wrote to somebody today that I would actually consider uh, uh, buying the stock here, especially if I didn't already own it. Uh, I think it's a terrific company. Uh, I don't know of any company, maybe Google, that has the footprint that uh, that Facebook Facebook has. I mean, listen, they have some issues. They'll figure it out. Uh, well, I think, uh, you, you know, I think it's a stock I, I, you want to be long. You know, I... I um 
I will tell you, and we're coming to the end of our time here, uh, I'm going to ask you for one more bit of advice for uh, investors as they're listening to all this noise. But before I ask you for the final thought about what we should tell Fred and Ethel, I want, I want Teddy's advice for Fred and Ethel at home, what they should do with their portfolio. But I will tell you that I also own Facebook and I'm long Facebook. I'm not making a recommendation, ladies and gentlemen, because I don't know what your situation is. We don't do that on the forecast. But uh, this... Uh, there are something like three and a half billion people who have access to the Internet around the world right now. There are over two billion registered Facebook users and something like 1.8 billion people regularly, weekly log into Facebook. So uh, they've got a huge amount of cash. This is a behemoth of a company. I do like to buy things when they get beaten up. So anyway, I am long um, uh, the company, uh, my company is, uh, clients are, my family is, there's my disclaimer. I, and whenever I, you hear me mention a stock, look, I could sell the whole thing tomorrow. I don't think I will on this one, but that's a disclaimer. I could sell everything tomorrow. Anyway. Michael, so, yes, Michael are, are you aware that if Facebook were a country, it would be the world's third largest country? Is that right? The world's yeah. third largest country if Facebook were a country. Tough to bet against. I mean, would you bet against China, folks? Really? Okay. <laughs> just saying. Okay, Teddy, for Fred and Ethel, they're listening to the forecast. Fred and Ethel have been tuning in for years. They're there in their right. little apartment, uh, and they're going to go up and share the, your news with Lucy and Ricky a little bit later. So tell them what they should be thinking about. When they look at their 401k, when they look at their stock portfolio and they get nervous, what should they be thinking about right here? Well, I think if, I think if they're if, if they're nervous, uh, they should probably be doing nothing because I I think that we'll get through this uh, volatility period and uh, the, the the sun will come out tomorrow and uh, I think uh, everything tells me and it should tell uh, Fred and Ethel and you that long term if you want good securities uh, time time has a funny way of making you right uh, but but on the other hand if you have cash and and you're still nervous then just sit on the cash because you know it's when you don't know what to do michael sometimes the best thing to do is simply do nothing one of my favorite wall street sayings is if you can't be right be liquid uh it, it'll take you a long way uh teddy weisberg you are my hero you still think we end higher on the year uh, yes. There we go from Teddy Weisberg, the great Teddy Weisberg. Thank you so much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. We're going to be right back with the great Matt Leffingwell on The Farcast. You're listening to Farcast. This portion of The Farcast is brought to you by Far Miller and Washington Investment Council. Investment Council means we work for you. Our advice is tailored to you and to your needs and to reach your investment goals. At Farm Miller in Washington, we believe money is hard to make, and we're going to work hard to keep it working for you. You're listening to Forecast. Now, here's your host, Michael Farr. Welcome back to the Forecast. And there's that wonderful music. Gosh, it's hard to stay still in your seat when Boris plays it. The collection of tunes you find, Boris, is just remarkable. What what song is that, Boris? You are familiar with the uh, American tune, I Love L.A.? I Love <laughs> L.A., yes. That was actually an answer song to a song written many years ago by Andre Gromyko. Andre Gromyko. That's yeah. right. He was great musical talent. Not many people are aware of Not that. Not around long, either. His original was called I Love Murmansk. And from that, Randy Newman came up with I Love L.A. I Love Murmansk. So it was almost plagiarized, is what I you're... It's what we would contend from old Soviet Union, yes. Ah, 
Oh, you learned so much here on the forecast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for staying with us here for segment two with the great Matt Leffingwell. Now, Matt Leffingwell uh, is a uh, serious big deal senior lobbyist with Peck, Madigan and Jones. If you have a lobbying issue in D.C., you need to call Peck, Madigan, and Jones. Let me tell you, we're sending them a bill now. Uh, or, or, or just watch your ads at 3 a.m. Uh, or 3 a.m. Or, or I, If you uh, want to send me an email, I will give you Leffingwell's cell phone. You can call him at 3 a.m. Uh, and tell him what sort of lobbying you need. Matt, welcome back. Thanks to a lot. Podcast. Good to be here. Do yeah. I still need to wear a sandwich board with that and walk up and down Wisconsin Avenue? <laughs> depends, uh, depends on the fee, yes. Uh, okay. It depends on the fee. We know what we are we're just arguing about the price okay now uh there is so much we've got to get through here with you uh laughing well we really do so uh, we have uh, just to hit the high points we have the fbi raiding the office of the president's attorney uh, who's accused of negotiating with stormy daniels we um we we have a serious seems to be horrible situation tragic situation in syria that sounds like the U.S. Yep. government might address here quickly. Uh, we have uh, Mark Zuckerberg on Capitol Hill. We have uh, it sounded like we were getting into a deeper trade war with China. And then perhaps Chinese President Xi apparently blinked. Uh, looks like it uh, here today. Are we finding out that uh, this is that the president's, you know, bombast and bluster uh, and leading with, you know, sort of uh, the, the absurd is working as a negotiating tool. It seems to have worked in North Korea. Uh, we want to hear about that. We want to hear about Zuckerberg on Capitol Hill today. And you have uh, another, you're hearing another rumor on Capitol Hill. You're going to hear it on the forecast uh, first. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is one that I really hope is not true. Uh, the mar- uh, but we're going to hold off on that for the rumor. Sure. Uh, but yep. but let's uh, we're going to come to that in a bit. Uh, but let's go ahead. So uh, uh, let's let's go ahead and start. Let's let's start with uh, what we are hearing about uh, Syria because that seems to be the most tragic, at least human story around the planet. Sure. I mean, I mean, it's important to put it in a context that uh, the president was talking about getting you know all U.S. operations out of Syria, um, and then you know immediately following that uh, we have another mass chemical attack on the Syrian people claiming, I believe it's the last death toll I saw was well over 50 lives. This is something that has been children, 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 women, children. Yes. A lot of these men, you have to remember, are either off fighting. Yeah. And uh, and the women and children are the most vulnerable. And, you know, President Hassan knows where it hurts. And as somebody who was intimately involved in helping fund non uh, nonviolent uh, aid into Syria when I was on the Appropriations Committee, this is something that I find absolutely appalling. So this, uh, so now I think Trump, with our allies, which looks like, you know it looks as though we're, we're we're having sort of a responsible multilateral discussion about what our response ought to be, but it looks like there may be some sort of response from the United States and our allies who just who just have let this go on way too long. Okay, but the last time when when we had atrocities from Syria, the president actually bombed uh, Syrian airstrips, correct? Uh, that's correct. We, yeah. we, we had lots of we had lots of bombs dropped in Syria. I heard a rumor this morning. It was actually uh, this fellow was explaining it was more than a rumor. The thought that by this evening, we would see that the U.S. and France 
uh, had bombed Syria again. That, that that's what I was hearing in Washington. Have you heard anything about that? I have I have not heard that there was going to be additional action uh, that we may see tonight. Would you be surprised? I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised though. First and foremost, if the French acted, I mean, they took the leadership role back when during the Obama administration, we were seeing these these. Uh, Acts of just you know horrific proportion from Assad on the Syrian people. The French stood up and they led the first bombing attacks, and they were also trying to lead a, an international multilateral effort to respond to Assad at the time. So, uh, whether it's France that goes first, whether it's the U.S. that goes first, but I do hope that if there's a response, it's a coalition. Well, and, and uh, you know, the last time uh, the bombing of Bashar al-Assad didn't really seem to phase uh, Bashar al-Assad very much. Um, so uh, we, we hope that whatever happens for these, atro- these atrocities have to stop. These Absolutely. are human atrocities Absolutely. and children are dying. And this is, uh, this, this is, and I've got to say, um, this is when we look to our president, um, That's right. to step up and be presidential. Uh, so Mr. President, um, I, you know, I was on CNBC, uh, a, a week ago live for during the press conference with the, uh, Serbian, uh, countries and states uh, and um, uh, the one thing that I took from that press conference was President Trump was very presidential and he was very measured and markets really liked it. It was a very good day for the markets, so we really hope that uh, uh, and and you know no matter what you think about the president, I hope ladies and gentlemen, you will join me uh, just in offering a prayer for the president, no matter who he or she is in the White House at any moment, but we should all be saying a prayer for the president every day. Okay, now let's let's move on uh, here to uh, we have so many topics to talk about, <laughs> but let's let's talk uh, about what's been going on on Capitol Hill with Mark Zuckerberg. He was there today uh, testifying. And his stock has jumped seven and a half percent. What happened? Well, that that means that you know, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg was well prepared, and he went up there. Does that and mean he, was, he did it right, or he didn't screw it up? He he didn't. It's a little bit of both. I mean, I think doing it right is not screwing it up. You don't go up to the Capitol Hill willing to disclose a lot of information. You go up to Capitol Hill not not com- over committing yourself to a bunch of promises for your corporation. Um, I mean, you have three different audiences. You have the senators, you have the, uh, you know, you have your customers, and then you have the markets. And I think Zuckerberg was able to at least appease two out of three of those of those audiences today. Now, there's now the in the mentality of a politician though is not to want to see, you know, a CEO of a uh, of a, a company of that magnitude who who they view as being in trouble coming up there and then watching their their stock jump up after their performance. So there is going to need to be some sort of scalp, and what what level of that scalp, you know, how big that scalp is, we'll see what that is. But he did he did a good enough job uh, not overcommitting Facebook to massive changes. He does uh, I understand that he has a board. He is accountable to his own, you know, corporate governance systems. And, um, you know, look, he was smart enough to get behind, you know, some some new legislation that's come out. It's not – major legislation, but he knows that these senators are just... Is it over? Is he done? No, no. Is, is it's his not, testimony it's, over? His test, I think his testimony was ending just as about, we were go, about as we were going on the air. But he, I mean, sure, he went on there. I don't think anybody had seen a hearing with this kind of, you know, mass media uh, attention in a long time. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, okay, so, but he really did a remarkable job. I mean, we, I mean, we forget this guy is 33 years old. Sure. He was born on May 14th, 1984. <laughs> now, uh, that was an important day for me. 
because I graduated from college uh, <laughs> as this pipsqueak was being born. Now, this pipsqueak, by the way, at age 33, born up in White Plains, New York, uh, is worth about $64 billion. That's billion with a B. Now, believe it or not, though he is a pipsqueak, that's more money than I have. Um, that's, <laughs> it, 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 it is. Uh, I am worth less than $64 billion. His salary at this point is $1 a year. Do you love that? I love, uh, that. I love it. I, I, I'd love to get to the point where you... Uh, um, and and uh, Phillips Exeter Academy, and this is a blue blood. Harvard, of course, everybody knows. Yep. So he must have done a very good job. What, Absolutely. What did he... What were, the, what were the two or three most important parts he had to address? And I've got to move on. Uh, we're, yeah, we're, sure. We're I mean, but I'll give you give two. Me the two highlights. One, he was, he was humble. He said he was sorry. He, made, he, he held himself accountable for mistakes. Number two, he said he was willing to go back and make changes. And I think that's, those are two key pieces that people needed to hear today. Okay. All right. So he did a good job. Stock is up. Problem is not over, but it's right. uh, starting to move into the rear view. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. Okay. All right. So uh, now, the president's lawyer, Michael Cohen, got raided. I mean, yep. wh- what, why do you raid an attorney's office? I mean, that, that's a big deal for even a judge to sign the order. Sure. I mean, and not being a lawyer here, but I mean, Mueller has this very comprehensive investigation with the scope, you know, in the, well, through the scope of, uh, you know, the Russia meddling with our elections. And so through that, that, through that prism, I'm sure he's come across many different pieces of evidence or, you know, suspicious, you know, suspicious information. And in this case, he, he referred this to the U.S. attorney from... So he referred it. He didn't, he he referred didn't do it, it exactly. himself. He, so he, he referred it to the U.S. attorney in New York. That's correct, yeah. Uh, but they had to get actually authorization from... The, from uh, the Rose, Rosenstein, the deputy... Uh, the deputy uh, justice, had deputy a, attorney general. A deputy, yeah. deputy attorney general. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And this is sort of... I, Talking about politics, yeah. You know, I mean, this is politics, know, yeah. And so, and so, I mean, I think that's a good segue into the rumor that is uh, circling around Capitol this Hill is and, incredible. and the uh, in legal circles, especially that are tied to the administration today. And that is that on Saturday night, this coming Saturday, uh, yeah, night. there's a, there's a lot of expectation that there's going to be like a massacre set of firings at DOJ. Uh, not not totally firings cl- at the fi- Department of Justice yes. this Saturday night. That's, this is just that's a rumor. Correct. This is a rumor, but it's getting a lot of steam, and I think there's it's. It wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility, given what we've seen out of Trump's reaction. I mean, you have Rosenstein, who had to personally sign off on this. I believe it was on yeah on Monday or Sunday night, right? So you're saying yeah. Rosenstein's one of those who would rumor? I think to be he's fired. definitely he's definitely gone. If this actually is the truth, Rosenstein's definitely be gone. That, that, the... that that there's going to be this mass oh, firing okay. at. Uh, well, DOJ. you're saying if anybody gets fired at justice, his he, name he he's goes number first. one, and then I think you definitely have Sessions is number two. He's really, been, the, tr- the president Sessions is, goes. He, Sessions has been in, uh, in the hot seat for a long time with this Why? president. Why? Why? Because the, the president has not felt that he has. Had had, so that Sessions has had his back, and in close behind closed doors, he has just complained time and time again about about Sessions. And third, um, we don't know, but if if Mueller goes, I think if you have a combination of Mueller and Sessions, there's going to be hell to pay for this. Well, wait, 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 wait. Let's go back because so far we've had Rosenstein and Sessions. You thinking Mueller could get fired it's too? It's not. It's not clear. It's but anything's possible with this president right now, and he's so furious. 
and you could and this see is Friday him. He, or Saturday night. Friday? A, a, a Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday night. Yep. Okay. And uh, so I, they, I think they want to dodge the Sunday shows. So strategically, that would make sense. Ah. And dodge uh, the so Sunday shows. That, they don't so want to be on you, Meet the Press. If you do a late night Saturday night, uh, you know, firings, then you're going to have all the Sunday shows in a sort of a tough spot to have guests and be able to react with the with the depth that they typically want to react. Ladies with. and gentlemen, the stock market won't like this. Matt Leffingwell, I cannot thank you enough. This is such terrific information. And we've got more to cover. We just don't have more time. <laughs> we have more do. to cover. We just don't have more time. And fabulous information. I mean, oh, my goodness. Uh, you heard it here first on the forecast. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. We're going to be right back for session three with Congressman Glenn Nye. This guy is fascinating, and he's going to tell us about international trade because he was there negotiating it. Stay with us on the forecast. We'll be right back. I'm Michael Farr. You're listening to Forecast. This portion of the Farcast is brought to you by Far Miller and Washington Investment Council. Investment Council means we work for you. Our advice is tailored to you and to your needs and to reach your investment goals. At Far Miller and Washington, we believe money is hard to make, and we're going to work hard to keep it working for you. Now more with Michael Farr and the Farcast. And welcome back to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. Thank you so much for listening once again this week. We appreciate you being with us. It's really terrific. Week after week, we get your emails, we get your notes. Listen to that fabulous music. Boris, what are we listening to there, Boris? Oh, this is a great song. You know the song Piano Man by... Uh, Piano I do know that song, Boris. This yes. is interpretation of Piano Man by Konstantin Chernenko. Chernenko? Yes, really? he was a big fabulous. fan of, of Mr. Joel. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, terrific. Uh, Boris, I don't know where you come up with those. All right. Well, what a terrific segment uh, we had with Matt Leffingwell. Real insights, again, into what's going on wa- in Washington. But as we go through markets, as we go through Washington, uh, of course, segment three always brings you gra- the greatest experts we can find. Terrific treat this week. We have uh, Congressman Glenn Nye joining us, who is now the executive director for the Center for the Study of presidency of the presidency and Congress. Um, Congressman Nye uh, was a um, former member of uh, uh, Congress from Virginia. He was a Blue Dog, a member of the Blue Dog Coalition, a group of centrist pro-business Democrats. He served on the Armed Services, Veterans and Small Business Committees. I mean, he understands business and business and technology. Uh, And this is, uh, Congressman Nye is really fascinating. He was, after he got out of the Georgetown School for Foreign Service, uh, he uh, joined the U.S. State Department. Um, He served in Kosovo, Macedonia, uh, as a member of the Foreign Service, and later he was posted to the U.S. Embassy in Singapore, where he helped protect U.S. intellectual property rights during the negotiation of the U.S.-Singapore Free Trade Agreement. Uh, He uh, also managed the U.S. Agency for International development. He was, he's done so many really cool things, but he's the perfect guy to talk to. Welcome to the Farcast, Congressman Nye. Michael, great to be with you. Thank you. Well, it, it is great to have you. Uh, and thank you for all your great work, too, at the Center for the Study of the Presidency and Congress. That's a terrific organization. Well, we appreciate that. And, you know, thank you for the kind intro about some of the world hotspots I've worked in. Some people say that actually my most difficult job is the one I've taken on now, which is trying to understand the current presidency and Congress in this environment. Uh, You know, we find it challenging but interesting. 
Um, and I think, you know, what we're trying to do is a couple of things here, Michael. We're trying to promote bipartisan cooperation where we can. And I know that's, you know, that can be a tall order these days, but also try to contribute to enlightened policymaking and help members of Congress and members of the administration understand uh, often difficult issues that involve technology. This week's been, you know, a very interesting one uh, on those lines. So we're doing our best to try to contribute to the good functioning, uh, you know, of the government here in Washington. Well, that certainly is a tall order, particularly in this day and age. And, you know, I uh, knew uh, the founder of the Center for the Study of the Presidency, uh, the late and great, uh, the Honorable David Abshire, just a fabulous fella. And, you know, he used to he actually wrote about civility in government. And I I've thought about Dave and his writings recently and thinking, you know, uh, I, I wonder if he would even believe what we're seeing today. Uh, well, you know, I think he'd probably be shocked but not surprised. And he's been, you know, as you suggested, carefully following trends in uh, civility and, and bipartisanship in Congress and, and the decline in that over many years. And I should mention, um, if you give me the opportunity, Michael, that David Absher's memoirs just came off the presses and uh, have just become available. So, um, we have some information about that on our site at, at uh, thepresidency.org. But I think you've really hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, there are a lot of folks, I think, who are kind of shocked by the, the decline in sort of uh, bipartisanship and civility. And, you know, we have really shrunk the definition of the working definition of civility that we use now to, to really just say, you know, civility ought to include having some line in how we use language uh, where we don't cross into calling our political opponents uh, using terms that put them in the, in the camp of being an enemy uh, and uh, just, you know, talking about them in contemptuous language. We try to avoid that. And we look for members to be, you know, to define civility and just being able to cooperate enough to do the basics of governing. Well, just pass a budget that doesn't blow up the deficit and keeps the lights on in Washington. And, you know, we're finding these days that that's uh, yeah, that's really difficult, unfortunately. Congressman, it doesn't sound that hard to listen to you, but sure, it looks pretty hard when I turn on my television. I mean, uh, so it can, give us give us some yeah. insights here, because you really are an expert's expert. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, before we get away from it, uh, David Abshire's memoirs, uh, for me, are going to be a must-read. I, I really strongly commend them to you. He, this was a really special human being. Uh, it, it, you know, he was a senior advisor to Reagan, but he took a bipartisan approach to so many things. Uh, this really might be just the great greatest prescription for what's maybe ailing us on Capitol Hill these days. So I'm I'm getting a copy at the thepresidency.org. Is that it, Congressman? I, I go to the. That's right. Yes. Presidency. Okay, that's what we got to do. Presidency.org. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Maybe you'll come back and talk about his memoirs again. That was he. He was really a very special sure. guy. Um, okay. We'd be happy to. So, yeah. so to tell us how are as as we look at uh, NAFTA and we look at the U.S.'s position um, on the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Tell us what you think about the U.S.'s role, uh, basically how we're conducting foreign policy, but particularly with these two agreements. And I, I'm going to I'll give you free reign for NAFTA or TPP. Give us your thoughts where we stand and how do you think this should work out? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great and topical question. And let me just start with looking at it more broadly and just say in, in the area of trade, um, you know, we again, our center is an organization that tries to understand the decision-making of the president 
And we usually try to put it in historical context um, and take lessons from prior administrations and, and make recommendations for how a president might approach questions. And, you know, this president makes that more challenging than the normal because his approach is very unusual. But what we're trying to understand is how much of the president's positions on trade and on the recent uh, imposition of tariffs and on wanting to renegotiate NAFTA and pull out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership are a reflection of very real elements within the American community and within the American electorate that have expressed themselves, whether whether clearly or sort of ambiguously, but energetically in the you know in the last election cycle. And you know there are certainly parallels to be drawn to some deep-seated dissatisfaction in the United States among not just labor groups, but um, folks who have been displaced and lost their jobs over the years, and they're looking for some answer to that. So, so, so he's, with, he kind of, he, so the context. president has appealed to this group who seems to feel that they've gotten the short end of the stick, that the United States has drawn the short straw for too many years, and he's going to fix it all. Tell us about his approach. Tell us if you really think the U.S. has been on the short end of the stick. What sort of outcome should we hope for as Americans, and what do you think we're going to get? Yeah, well, you know, from my perspective, these trade deals always have ups and downs. Like any negotiation, you, you make trade-offs, right? And so when you're looking at uh, public policy, whether it's trade or otherwise, you want to lay on the table the ups and the downs. And what do you have to trade to get uh, the positive benefits that the United States has gotten in terms of being a leader but being engaged in world trade? Right. And I think that those upsides are, are, are there and demonstrable. But I, I think it's also fair to say, hey, we ought to regularly analyze the trade-offs and say, are they worth it? And so, it, you know, it seems to me that uh, the president's approach has been quite abrupt and has been kind of, I guess you could describe it as like, let's tear down the sort of rules-based system within which we have established, uh, you know, our trade over the past number of decades, and let's start over from the presumption that we can do better. And, right. But that also, you know, it makes you ask the question, can we? Or are there, you know, and what are the trade-offs to taking that new approach? And this is what we're, you know, we're going to find out as we go. So should we, I mean, so the president seems to have this style where he starts a conversation with a sledgehammer and then seems to back off a little bit. I, I, my quote to the Washington Post, and I, I felt bad about it after I said it, but it's, I said to the Washington Post uh, that uh, last week that uh, it's, his policy, his approach seems to be to speak loudly and carry a small stick. You know, that, that we start out with yeah. a whole lot of bluster and then kind of back off. So is, uh, are, are, did he take the right approach with China? I mean, is China really coming around? I think it's too early to say that for sure. And again, uh, you know, if you look at his approach, as you suggested, it's, uh, you know, slam down the current system and then let's try to replace it with something. Since we don't know exactly what the something is, we can't make a final judgment about the outcome. But I will say that it's troubling to those of us who look at this from a historical perspective, um, because we, it's very difficult to anticipate the outcome of this. And so there's uncertainty. And that uncertainty, you know, as you know very well, has rolled markets and has left a lot of people wondering what's coming next. And we're just kind of guessing at the next, you know, the next step in this plan and hoping that there is a very well thought through strategy here. Uh, I'm not sure that there is, um, but I also will concede that we probably did need to take a look uh, at some of the ways that uh, China approaches trade uh, from a new lens. And um, I don't know if this is necessarily the perfect way to do it, but I, that's we're going to find out. Should we have pulled out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership? Uh, you know, 
I, I understand that there were a lot of arguments against the way that it was forming up. I'm not sure that we should have that the approach should have been to just pull out. But I do find it interesting to note that the other uh, negotiating partners have continued the, the discussion without us. So there, if our goal for negotiating the Trans-Pacific Partnership was to put in place a set of rules that would kind of bind China to a unified set of rules with our trading partners that would bind China right. into a system of rules that made more sense, um, and we pull out and we lose that opportunity, that's a negative. However, if that other group of countries continues the negotiation and comes up with some set of rules that make sense, maybe it's not as bad as we think. So, again, we'll have to see how that plays out. Congressman Glenn Nye, I cannot thank you enough for appearing on the forecast with us. And look, ladies and gentlemen, you really are the expert's expert, and you bring such a wealth of experience. You've served our country. You've served the state of Virginia, and you continue to serve our country at the Center for the Study of the Presidency of Congress. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough. I hope you'll come back, and I'd really want to talk about uh, Dr. David Abshire's book. Uh, boy, his memoirs would be terrific, and, and all the work you're doing to make our country better and get things a little bit nicer uh, and more well-behaved on Capitol Hill. Thank you very much, uh, Congressman Nye. We're doing our best, and thanks for having me, Michael. We'll talk with you next time. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, thanks to Congressman Nye. Uh, thanks again so much for listening to us once again this week on the Farcast. Remember that if you think you've heard any recommendation to buy or sell a security, you haven't. If you're thinking about making changes to your portfolio or adjusting bonds or stocks or anything, please go ahead and contact your financial advisor, get some professional advice. We haven't made any of those recommendations either. We're not doing that. We're keeping our, all of our lawyers happy here. And if you do need some help, please give us a call at Farr, Miller, and Washington. It's what we do all day long. We work with individuals from a half a million dollars well up to over a hundred million dollars. So everybody has a place at Farr Miller. We work very hard. I've got some terrific people and we'd love to help you. Okay, we're done. At the end of another fabulous Farcast, thank you so much. Please tune in again next week. Download us into your earbuds wherever you are. Take us on your walker to the gym. Again, thanks. In Washington, D.C., for the Farcast, I'm Michael Farr.